Um, my definition of a real leader is to be congruent with the value that you get to live with every day. And, you know, achieving a big goal or reaching a great destination is important, but living to、um, our own belief and value、um, uh, that it, on a day to day basis is the kind of indicator of how well we are succeeding. You are listening to the Real Leaders Podcast, where leaders keep it real. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and that definition comes from Masami Sato, the founder and CEO of B1G1, who helps everyday businesses make a difference with every transaction. And in today's episode, Sato shares how her travel experiences helped shape her purpose. The difference between short and long term thinking, and the illusion of success. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for the real Masami Sato. Enjoy. Here we go in、right. five, four, three, two, and one. And welcome everyone to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Joining us today is the founder and CEO of B1G1, Masami Sato. Masami, thanks for being with us today. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much for having me here today.、Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. As we said before, it's long overdue. We're starting the year off strong with B1G1. And now, Masami, are you coming in from Singapore? Yes, <laughs> I am in Singapore right now. <laughs> You're in Singapore right now. How crazy world it is right now. Now, now, I was just curious. I mean, do you ever have any challenges with interacting with whether it's、uh, people across the globe? Is it a time challenge for you? Do you ever get up super early for, for meetings? Oh, actually, some days, yes. And, but it makes it all much easier these days because, you know, like through、uh, the actually pandemic last year, we've all learned to do things quite differently. So,、um, as a result of that,、um, it became so much easier to connect with anybody around the world. And,、uh, you know,、um, even, even though、uh, it, there are times like I need to wake up at the Kind of crazy time as well. But、um, thinking about having to actually fly and go to places to meet with people, it's actually so much more you know, convenient and easier and effective as well. <laughs> Now, Singapore is positioned in a nice area. And I know it's like half Chinese speaking, like half English speaking residents,、mm-hmm. uh, or they speak both languages, excuse me.、Um, Now, w- w- are there some benefits of, <laughs> of、uh, locating? B1G1's headquarters in Singapore? Because I know you're originally from Japan, right? Yes, I am.、Um, well, like, we、uh, decided to move to Singapore to start B1G1 14 years ago. So it's been quite a long time.、Um, back then,、uh, I think Singapore was a very different country. <laughs> you know, today, Singapore it really is the best place, I believe, that,、uh, to, to have a global initiative because, you know, basically, location wise, it's Uh, strategically located,、uh, but then at the same time, it's a, a fantastic、um, place to be to run a global business. So,、um, 
Yeah, and, and it's an English-speaking country, and it's uh, very open to international businesses and makes everything, you know, straightforward and easy. So, yeah, if you haven't visited Singapore, anybody listening to this, then please do think about it. When, you know, we can start traveling again, then uh, I'd love you to experience this amazing place. It, it's, a, it's an amazing place, and you, you mentioned it's a great place for global initiatives. And uh, something that that's kind of just been with me is when you have a conversation with someone, uh, one of my friends, Masami, you ask them and, and their, their whole theory is, you know, I'm going to learn, I'm going to earn and I'm going to return. So when I'm older and, I, and I'm in a position, I can give back in my life, you know, and it can sail into the sunset. But it seems like you're fairly busy. You're waking up early. You're, you're working. You're pretty hard. What's the lifestyle like? for someone like you who is is contributing back every single day and in that position? Well, actually, like, you know, sometimes people talk about the life, work-life balance and things like that. And I don't think I really ever think about it. And the reason why is not because I, I don't think that's important. I, I think family life and relationship with people and having a quality life or well-being, that's very important. But to me, I think work is way of life. Um, so I never really need to think about how to separate it or how to kind of balance it so that my work doesn't take up uh, my too much of my attention more time. Because for me, like doing my work is doing what I love. So it's part of kind of like leisure and entertainment and relationship in a, and love and all the people we get to work with in business. Those are the people we, I call friends and almost like a family, you know, part of our uh, business family. So um, I feel like uh, very lucky. And then in that case uh, Singapore and being in like non-stop <laughs> you know being able to connect anytime uh, works very well for me <laughs> where do you think this comes from I mean would you explain to our audience kind of your backstory and why you're so driven and passionate about what you do um well, I love people and I love um, figuring out things to make things better and make things work or make things more rewarding for everybody. So that's kind of uh, ingrained in me. Um, actually, when I was little, um, I grew up in Japan and my grandparents had a family business. Um, so, you know, they were running this tiny shop in Tokyo and I grew up like as a little girl, like, you know, even as far as I could remember, I was helping my grandparents take care of this business. So, you know, waking up and you are already in business and serving customers or cleaning the shop or stocking the shelves. Or, um, that was kind of part of life and way of being. And running a business was also part of being part of community, local community, because, you know, people are having their own shops or neighbors are exchanging things or helping out each other. So I experienced the business and living and life and family and community as the whole one thing. So uh, to me, living life, always thinking about how to, things make, how to make things better, or if there is somebody who has need or issues or trouble, then solving that challenge or problem is very, very exciting to me, or you know, almost something that I cannot resist. So um, being an entrepreneur and a business owner gives me the opportunity to be in that creative space and also to think about something and coming up with idea and go, Oh, what if we did 
in something in this way or what if we talked with this person or this company that is doing this because by just connecting and coming up with a new way or new solution we could potentially create a far greater impact together so that's kind of very exciting to me <laughs> yeah um and then that that kind of led me to the journey of entrepreneurship or traveling around to explore the world and really realizing that uh, my, the little community i grew up is uh you know present to the entire world and as I started to connect with the people outside, I realized that it's it's also the same thing. It's a community that we are part of, um, and it's a bigger community we are part of. So we could be all working together, helping each other, coming up with creative ideas to solve the global challenges. So I'm very uh, grateful that uh, um, uh, I get to do what I do every day and to be here with you, Kevin. <laughs> oh, of course, no, of course. Well, now Masami, you mentioned the creativity aspect was something that you you know you're passionate about like that you like being creative and solving uh you know business problems in socially constructive ways and it's exciting to you it mm -hmm. gets you going now a lot of entrepreneurs have that creative side but when it comes to putting down a business plan and the analytical side it's very difficult for them to do what were some of the things you learned from your early businesses and enterprises that helped you, you know, synchronize the creative side of your brain with the, the, the tangible and analytical side? <laughs> yeah, I, I learned the tangible analytical side more and more these days, even though I'm not a naturally an analytical person. I'm mm. more like a, a person who is spontaneous and go like, oh, I, I want to do that. So just uh, giving a background information about, you know, uh, what I do now and how I ended up there. Um, I, I spoke about my kind of childhood in Japan, but then what happened was when I uh, graduated from school in Japan, uh, instead of trying to get the best job in one of the biggest Japanese businesses, I decided to take time to travel. So I became a kind of global backpacker, nice. <laughs> a, a young Japanese girl traveling alone, backpacking. And I studied English uh, at that time because I couldn't speak even you know, English and communicate with people. So I started from scratch that time. And I was quite a shy wow. person. Um, I'm actually introvert <laughs> and I uh, don't naturally find it easy to talk with strangers. But when I started to travel, um, being that shy kind of scared person i realized that actually the world wasn't uh, such a scary place um, because everywhere i went uh being vulnerable there were always people who came to help me and mm. with a very simple language i discovered the joy of connection and communication Mm. Because if you have a very little, like a few words to, to be able to use, then you are no longer worried about saying smart things or clever, you know, things. Or, so you become very simple and sure. very open and vulnerable. Yeah. So um, I learned a lot during, yes, <laughs> I learned a lot during that time. And then um, even though I enjoyed traveling so much, there were some things that didn't make sense to me back then. And I was, you know, very curious. Uh, and I thought like, you know, how come that uh, there are so many uh, other countries where uh, even children don't go to school? You know, they, they, their family can't afford or they don't really understand why they should be at school where they could be working at the young age. Or, um, 
there are people who had a physical disability, but they weren't receiving any help from the local government. So I thought like that kind of really didn't make sense to me that, you know, there wasn't enough help, help available for these people to have even basic resources. And um, reflecting back on my own culture and country, uh, in, if we, what, something like that were happening in Japan, then uh, there was support or, you know, obviously kids went to school. Or, um, so I pondered on this uh, for a while because I was still this just a powerless backpacker, so I couldn't solve this problem. Right. So I just, you know, accepted it and moved on. But, a um, few years later, when I became a mom for the first time, and back then I was living in New Zealand, and with three-month-old baby girl, I uh, decided to start my very first business. Um, and that was because I finally realized that whilst I experienced so much deep sense of love and connection with my own child, I realized that there were so many children who didn't have what my daughter had. And even though I still couldn't change uh, the world or solve the problems, but I felt quite strongly about doing something because it was unimaginable for me to not protect my own child and do everything for her. And if I could do just a little bit more than taking care of my own family and my own kids, then I thought I should do something about that. So that's uh, when I started my business and it was a food business because I love food. And I, for me, when I was traveling, food was one way to connect with people when I couldn't speak so much, <laughs> you know? So, um, uh, so I went into food business and I pledged that uh, one day when this business becomes very successful then I will donate all the money, all the profit away to help um, feed and educate the street children. So that was the motive behind going into business. But then uh, I learned so much about running a business and how hard it was. And about five years later, when the company out of all the struggle and hard, hard work started to grow and I moved to Australia to grow the business. And at one point we had a frozen packaged healthy meal company distributing the uh, products to over 150 retail stores in multiple states in Australia. And, you know, I was doing better, business was doing better, but then I still wasn't doing anything, you know, that I promised to do when I mm. started because I was first of always too busy <laughs> and never had time. <laughs> and uh, uh, then I uh, always had an excuse that, oh, when we make more money, we have to put the money back into business to improve the business, to grow the business, to improve the packaging or build a new freezer room. Or So we never were making so much profit to do big giving or do something you know meaningful. So I, at that time, paused for a moment and thought about that. And I thought, hmm. You know, like if I kept telling myself this story, then maybe in 10 or 20 years time, I will still be in the same situation, just with a little bigger business. So um, then this simple idea came to me and I thought, what if instead of trying to do something big in the future, uh, we decided to just give one meal for every meal we sold. And that was uh, about 15 years ago. And uh, then we implemented that way of doing business and giving. And that was really game changing for me because then I didn't have to wait anymore. 
you know, every day I could make some impact, even, you know, regardless of how small that could be, but every day was a progress. So um, that impacted me a lot. And several months later, I finally decided to sell my food company in Australia and then moved to Singapore to start to be one as a global giving initiative because there were lots of uh, other food businesses, but there was no initiative helping small businesses to implement this way of doing a business, giving for every business activity you know, making mm. a difference and giving. So, uh, yeah, so that's been a journey like for the last 14 years. And b one one today is a global initiative working with thousands of businesses. And those businesses have together created over 200 million giving impact to date. So, wow. yeah, so that's why um, I'm here today. <laughs> well, Masami, there's no doubt your daughter seems like a lot of work. That's for sure. Uh, she started out. <laughs> she's 20, 20 soon. <laughs> she's the reason for it, though, right? I mean, the business started out of love. It started out of love to support and, and provide for other daughters who didn't have it maybe as nice as, as yours did. And then I guess the first question is, one, why did you feel that business would be a good outlet to solve a world problem like this? So um, that's a great question, by the way, because you know people might go, well, like government should solve the problem or charity organizations exist to solve the problem anyway. Why would business uh, do anything about it? And I believe that the businesses actually are indeed the driving force of making a change in the world because um, all through the time, regardless of countries or you know, different uh, uh, culture, background, uh, races or religions, like, you know, uh, beyond all these differences, people always connected and found a way to connect with each other to exchange value. Mm. And um, businesses can touch lives everywhere. And uh, it's unite and connect the people, uh, regardless of the different, all the differences we have. And so businesses actually have the power to really change the world and drive and create a you know, real huge difference. But what happened was over the um, last many decades, businesses became so strongly focused on profit maximization only. So the way like CEOs were evaluated uh, and uh, prompted was all based on quarterly profit performances and so on. So that's why the decision making of businesses became very short term. And then as a result, the businesses started to make lots of decisions that create long term consequences and issues with sustainability. Mm. But the thing is, if we really think about the old way of doing business, like, you know, thinking about how my grandparents used to run their family business or how uh, farmers in many countries always took care of the land to create abundance. Like um, actually the business activities have this potential to think longer term. And mm. then when we start to think longer term and also long for the longer term sustainability uh, and uh, uh, prosperity, then businesses can be making decisions that would create longer term wealth and longer term abundance. 
And unless businesses also together ensure that there is a sustainability in the global economy, global uh, environment, uh, you know, that would negatively impact them at one point. So I think businesses to transform, to start taking a stand and start making decisions to make a positive impact is really critical. And when we can collectively do that, more of that, then any problems in the world can be solved. So Rewindjima is one way of effective of giving and one way to, for businesses to create an impact, no matter how big or small their businesses are. But there are lots of other things businesses could do, like leaders to actually uh, communicate with, you know, um, own people, like team members differently and really inspire them so that they would together become the leading force in uh, creating positive change within and outside the businesses. <clears throat> yeah, I think there is so much potential and businesses kind of need to align today to to achieve this. You made a, a comment in there about, you know, how my father's business was ran, how why business was started in the first place, maybe. Uh, it, it started because it was in the community. It was something that the community needed. It supported the community. Mm -hmm. It brought jobs to the community. Um, it gave back to the community. Mm -hmm. It put, you know, clothes and food on, on you know, the backs of, of children during those hard times. Like what you've done is you've now made it simple for businesses to almost get back to why they started in the first place. Why do you think or what struggles, what struggles? Yeah. What struggles are you are you running into with local businesses um, that aren't aren't following the same path, I guess? I think more and more businesses are starting to realize this today uh, that uh, the real like, short term thinking or actually, you know, uh, not making ethical decisions or not really taking care of people inside the business. Uh, or, uh, you know, those kind of things actually create the consequences for businesses where you know, when we first started the B1G1, uh, there was nobody talking about the idea around the social enterprise or small businesses to give back. You know, larger businesses, I think, have been exercising CSR activities because they were required to, <clears throat> but small businesses they, they didn't have to. They weren't expected to do anything. Um, but today, more and more companies really understand um, actually having a real sense of purpose in the business and communicating that positive impact and influence that businesses are uh, set out to create uh, is becoming more critical and widespread knowledge. So more businesses are actively seeking opportunities to create an impact. But it's you know difficult for small businesses uh, to do this because they don't have a lot of time or a lot of funds. And yeah, so that's why like uh, we see that uh, there is more and more um, demand in uh, services like B1G1. And uh, yeah, so things are changing. It's It's a very cool concept. Now, I'd love for you to explain like we, we talked about the business model like hey you've got this great idea when, then when you put it on a piece of paper like what did it look like initially when you put <laughs> the business model down and how has it transformed over time so when we first like you know started to be one day one um we didn't have a such a sophisticated business plan but we had a powerful idea right and very simple idea so um, the idea was this, you know, we imagined what if every time business is done in the world, something great happens in the world as well. Um, so 
uh, you know, imagine uh, that you, every coffee you enjoy, you know, you get to give access to life-saving water for somebody for one day. Or mm. uh, every time you read a great book and get the inspiration, you get to plant a tree to ensure the global sustainability. Or uh, every time you um, attend a seminar or even listen to the podcast, uh, a child gets educated um, somewhere in the world. So if we imagine uh, the variety of businesses out there, and if all these business activities and their kind of everyday wins turns into some great positive impact in the world, then that would not be great. And so that was what we set out to create. Um, and but of course, like a simple idea doesn't mean it's simple to create. Right. <laughs> So, so we had to figure out the working of it. Um, so today, how B one one work is also still simple, but it's actually quite complex. So um, you know, we work with businesses of any types and any size. So even like companies like counting firm uh, uh, join us and then say, well, every time we create a client, then we want to give a goat to a family uh, so that they can have a sustainable income. Uh, you know, we have a dentist. Every time they see a patient, they give access to clean water or sanitation. Or mm. uh, we have a retail stores, you know, or a fashion brand. Uh, we have a coffee shops actually doing the, you know, give access to clean water for every cup of coffee or giving a meal for every meal they sell. But not only that, today businesses also imagine. Uh, you know, what else they could do. So every meeting businesses have, and even though this is not a sales transaction or anything, but they, they, they get to celebrate the lovely meeting they had by uh, giving a microloan or, uh, you know, providing income generating tool for a woman to start a business. Or So um, today we have a more than 500 carefully selected high impact projects from around the world. So every giving these businesses do, um, they can choose to link to business activity. And then, you know, even one cent they give or one dollar they give or ten dollars they give can have a tangible impact. And because we amalgamate all the you know, small time contributions coming from lots of businesses, and then uh, forward 100% of the giving to the selected uh, worthy causes, you know, charity organizations around the world. So they get to have a regular um, additional, you know, regular source of funding to execute on the great impacts that they are creating and they can do more of those things. And so uh, this model of giving is not the campaign based, you know, or uh, triggered by natural disaster or um, right. you know, big kind of like a campaign and so on. So uh, it's just that the business activities are happening every day. So once businesses come on board in B1G1 and decide to give, then basically their giving will happen on a more regular basis. And then as a result, that would help uh, all these uh, worthy causes around the world to effectively execute on creating the impact and the differences that make it make. Now, Masami, uh, the three... Mm. action items we have on our poll here today for people listening this if you want to make an impact you can either plant mm -hmm. trees provide meals for the homeless or educate disadvantaged children uh folks listening to this on audio that's why you got to be on crowdcast folks you can vote and and make little big changes in the world with little actions like this <laughs> now masami i'm curious as to how you also make money with this so this is a for-profit business model. <laughs> a lot of people, especially students, 
they come on a college, they say, hey, I want to help and change the world. I'm going to go work for a nonprofit. But this is a for-profit business model. So it seems like you've gone out all around the world. You've gone and and you've you've figured out multiple places to plant trees, uh, how multiple places that you can provide meals for the homeless all around the world in different locations with different, let's say, nonprofits or organizations. Uh, you've gone and, and you've, you've worked and partnered with uh, organizations that can educate disadvantaged children around the world. Now, if I'm a business and I work with you and I'm and I sell a magazine, do you take a percentage of that and give that to that organization, or how is do you create for yourself a mm-hmm. sustainable revenue model? Mm. Okay, so um, when we first started the B1J1, you know, we decided to start the B1J1 as a business, and uh, and then back then there was no such kind of common. Uh, well-known terminology for, to describe what this model of business was. But today, you know, people know that it's called the social enterprise. Right. So social enterprises exist to create the profit so that with that profit, they can create a greater impact and then keep making that impact. But then the reason why I wanted B1G1 to be primarily a business was that I believe that if B1G1 can provide great value for the client, you know, the businesses that we work with, first of all, that will create its own uh, growing sustainability rather than us saying like, please donate to B1G1 because we right. are doing good. So um, how it works is that the, uh, when businesses join B1G1 and they become a member of this initiative, and then with that, they get access to the B1G1 account, access to all the projects, access to um, great tools and resources to make their giving uh, impactful and also connecting. So they have like widget that they can embed on their website mm. to track the number of impacts that they are oh, creating or, you know, communication resources that they have or project updates from projects. Or So we provide all these things to as a value add-on. And then when businesses contribute to the membership fee, that goes to this fund called the Movement Fund because B1G1 is a movement. And then fully 100% of that movement fund uh, is there to um, help this initiative grow and scale and improve the system, come up with a great value proposition, and also work on bringing in more worthy cause partners. Um, Mm -hmm. So for the charity organizations, it's totally free to join B1G1 if they can qualify all the strict criteria that we have. And then when any businesses give through B1J1, fully 100% of what they give is sent to the worthy causes. And we top up even bank charges to make Mm -hmm. sure that even when you are giving one cent to give access to clean water for someone one day, that one cent must go to the organization. So we amalgamate that and then top up the bank charge and then forward. And B1J1 also have, under this initiative, a separate charity organization. So all of the charitable contributions that businesses make will go to that separate organization. And uh, um, so we create the transparency around it. But what we need to ensure is that uh, as a business, we need to succeed (laughs) and create value. And as a result, we get to do more of the work that we want to do. And, uh, you know, as a social enterprise, basically, like uh, we are dedicated to growing uh, what we are doing and then, uh, uh, you know, make sure that uh, all the resources we create will continue to do greater things. 
Masami is incredible. Now, for business owners listening to this, I'm sure they're like, oh, like, how do I get involved? What's the membership fee? And then, like, the widgets, you said it's very transparent. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, give me, give us an example of an organization for every you know item or transaction they make, they're able to see you know their transparent you know transparent results or impact, mm-hmm. you know, in real yeah. time or weeks later. Um, so, uh, tiny business because uh, the B one zero one membership contribution is based on the company size and oh, okay. financial ability. So, so, tiny businesses can join B one zero one for like dollar a day, and that goes to the actual membership part of it. And then uh, with the giving wise, then every business will choose um, the amount of giving they want to do based on the business activity. Some companies choose to do like, a, you know, on the monthly basis, like because they may not have a, like a clear cut product, uh, like sell a book or, but they may have a service based business and they might want to give a portion of uh, their, you know, revenue or profit or uh, whatever the fixed amount, and then choose the project that they want to give and then distribute the giving. So some companies do it that way. Other companies find more and more creative way to embed giving in everything that they do, such as uh, every email we send, we will give uh, one day's digital education to a child or uh, every uh, project that our team completes then we will let the team to decide what impact they want to create. Or, mm. oh, we will incorporate giving impacts through uh, engagement polls or social media uh, activities. Or So some businesses get very creative about engaging their customers or community um, in creating the impact together. So their possibilities are endless. And uh, um, what we love about what we do um, and how we do it is because it's never about one thing. You know, we understand that the global change cannot be achieved just by doing one big thing. Like, uh, even though we believe that the education is very primarily very, very important, but if people uh, or ch- young children currently are not having access to basic nutrition and many of them are having like a vision problems like going blind or then uh, or not having clean uh, drinking water and as a result having diarrhea very often and as a result missing schools or so there are lots of factors um, to to that need to change to ensure that um, every person in the world is not left behind. And so instead of saying what's better or what's right, we find the opportunities to make a tangible impact and then make those things available for businesses to go, oh, I'm happy to support this. Mm. And because businesses are all different, you know, business owners have a different ideas or team members may be passionate about different things or businesses are selling different products and services. So if every business get to choose the impact they want to create, actually like all these uh, project get support, you know, even though they are all unique as well. But uh, when we amalgamate that uh, support coming from businesses and distribute it, then it can uh, we can together do so much more than what one company can do alone. And to have the sense of unity, connectedness, togetherness in the business world is so important because you know it's not like we are enemies and competitors all the time. We are actually peers and uh, fellows um, being part of this global ecosystem. Right. So um, there is so much desire in a B1J1 business community that they want to help each other as well. Because other businesses success in this community, 
is the collective success. So businesses quite often offer you know, support and services and encouragement to each other in the V1J1 community. And that sense of like a spirit of giving uh, is such a joy to see, uh, even you know, beyond the actual giving impacts that happen. So um, there's so much more we can do. It, it's fantastic. You know, it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship with these you know, charities, with these foundations, acting as a, an accelerator for contributions, minimal contributions around the world. Um, now, now, $365 a year, uh, this might be not that much for a lot of these organizations. And, and you know, these, if we did this at scale, right, this could solve a lot of different problems, necessary problems, and the world would be a better place. Now, the philosophical question I guess I do want to ask you about is, you mentioned the old you know, maximizing shareholder value. So I guess that when that was written in 1970 by Milton Friedman, the main thesis was, you know, the businesses should be in business to maximize shareholder value. So their customers, their employees, their people, their their owners can make more money and choose with what they could, you know, could do with that money to have their own impact, to feed their own family to do it that way. So in 50 years ago, that was the thinking and the information at that time. Do you think, do you still think that's a valid argument today that businesses should be in business uh, to maximize shareholder value? And if so, or if not, why, why do you think that way? Mm. Um, I think businesses have a lot to balance and think about. And then of course, businesses are here to uh, make money. Like we, we can't say like, oh, businesses, uh, you know, should be just creating positive impact and we don't need to make money. Then that's untrue because when businesses run out of financial resources, then they cannot even continue to do the things that they want to do. So um, actually creating a great financial return on the work that they do and being more effective, more efficient and more valuable uh, for the customers that is very, very important. And that naturally creates shareholder value as well. But what happened, uh, you know, where it, things go a little bit off is that mm. with the, in the pursuit um, of create, maximizing the return on the investment or uh, maximizing the profitability, then if we are setting such short-term goals and not thinking about the longer-term prosperity, like a real prosperity, then we will end up making decisions that will actually compromise our future. Hmm. Right? Like, so right. um, it's a bit like a human has this like a, uh, kind of habit or urge, you know, when there is something that is pleasurable right now, and then you know that it's in the long term, it's not good for you. But because if the you know, maximization of just instant joy is mm. the most important thing, then, yeah, of course, like you feel compelled to have this you know, sweet that you shouldn't have or, <laughs> or miss the exercise that you should be doing. Or, so that, that, this is a natural tendency for people and businesses to want to have a short term return and short term gain, you know, because it's kind of light up the kind of pleasure point. <laughs> but when we become rational about real long-term return, then if we are exploiting the environment or cutting corners, then you, you just know that it's not going to re really create a long-term prosperity. So there is a balance that we need to make that we understand maximization of profit is important for us to achieve more, 
But at the same time, if we are to really have uh, achieve more, then we need to think about the purpose of doing so because businesses is where we spend so much time in. So don't we want to be having sense of meaning and purpose and real deep sense of joy and pride in doing what we do rather than just maximizing the money. <laughs> and, there, and there we are. Now, do you think in order for that, I guess, to be true, everyone's purpose or meaning would have to be you know, it's in some way, shape or form to make the world a better place. Do you think everyone has that same meeting or deep down that same purpose that they want to see the world as a better place? I think uh, everybody would have a different purpose. Um, and then, uh, but deep down, every human has this deep sense of connection with something. Mm. And it's not like everybody needs to feel that, oh, making a world a better place is my purpose. Like, we don't need to align with that. But I think there are, you know, um, sense of uh, uh, importance and meaning in every person, such as, like, some people might care so much about their children and grandchildren, or some people might have a strong sense of nature or animal, you know, what, that, that they care about. Or some people might feel very strongly about the justice or, you know, so that's why every person has, uh, like, a, you know, choose to live life differently. So we cannot impose one way of doing good to, of, to everybody. But if every person realized that, well, I, actually, my life is worth it. You know, mm. I have a value to add to this world, rather than feeling bad about where they are or what who they are or what they do or because when we overcome that and we experience that internal sense of love and connection um, then that's when we can realize our own inner sense of what we want to do and how we find the joy and meaning in our life so the ultimate kind of like uh, world is where every person every child every person with all the uniqueness and everything can find their own true sense of meaning and purpose and then uh, live their life doing what they love. I love that, you know, that finding that joy, like working toward that purpose. Now, how does this purpose and this meaning tie into leadership within your organization? For instance, I had a, the pleasure to speak with one of your employees, and, I, and I've never experienced such exuberance, you know, over <laughs> a video call about what you all were doing at B1G1. And really, it's a compliment to you and, and your staff and what you all are doing. Now, how do you tie in that intention, that meaning and that purpose to your leadership style? Mm, I think that if, when the leaders understand that uh, they are also you know, part of uh, almost the most important part of their leadership responsibility is to make sure that every person in your organization um, uh, takes the journey of their own discovery of meaning and purpose. You know, the more the people in your company get to connect with the sense of meaning and purpose of what they are doing and how they are contributing, then that has a, a massive positive impact on the business. And also, you know, that has greater value to their, their clients and customers too. Um, but when businesses actually lose that, you know, no matter how much money you are making uh, today, that's not really sustainable. And that's not, that doesn't really uh, make it worthwhile for you to be running the business. Like, because business is hard work. Right? You know, if you just want to make money uh, in the easiest possible way, 
then don't run a business because <laughs> it's not the reality of business. Sure, sure. You have to you have to kind of make tough decisions and make lots of efforts to keep growing the business. So business is tough, but businesses have so much joy and meaning. Um, and uh, so that's why uh, having that in the, within the company and that can then exude out of your business and touch people is very important. And so I think like uh, doing uh, lots of little things that matters in the business, even though that may not seem to con contribute directly to the profitability, but if it contributes to the sense of meaning and purpose, appreciation and uh, you know, sense of gratitude, then those little things matter a lot. And leaders in businesses can actually kind of identify these things. <laughs> and uh, yeah. What are a few yes. things that have worked for you all uh, tying into, you know, joy and gratitude and, and you know, mm. implementing that actually into a mm. business setting? So we have a you know, company uh, value and that we reflect on every single day. And uh, in our company, uh, our uh, value is called uh, do care. And so desire to improve open mindedness, courage accountability, respect, and enjoyment. So those six things together, if we do the best we can every single day, then we know that actually helps us to do great things with a great care. So that's why it's called do care. And we really remember this. It's ingrained in every one of us at V1J1 because every morning we um, talk about this. So when we do the morning huddle, uh, one of the team members will uh, take turn and then talk about their insight around any of the Duke values or mm. we use Duke's for our quarterly reviews. So even though we also review our scorecard, you know, like what numbers are you achieving? Like uh, and that contribute to the company's collective success. But then at the same time, we also do qualitative assessment on Duke. You know, like how did I do this this quarter? with desire to improve or, you know, uh, or open-mindedness. Did I actually listen to everybody enough or was I actually fearful and rejected certain ideas without considering or? So we actually always think about these things. And so um, every person in our team uh, gets appreciated and rewarded and encouraged along with these values too. And but it's also start from hiring. Like when we hire people, we make sure that the people understand that this place is about to do care. Right. <laughs> and if somebody said like, oh, I don't like that, then of course, like it's not a great match. Sure. So um, there are lots of things leaders in businesses can think about in really questioning, like, why do we exist? You know, why do we what we do? And if we are to do what we do for this purpose and reason, then what kind of culture do we need to create? What do we need to encourage in every one of us, including the leaders themselves? Like, do, do we set the right example <laughs> and walk the talk? Or uh, admitting that, well, I actually failed today with this. <laughs> or, yeah, so there is a lot. It's a journey. It's same as living life. You know, business is actually a journey. It's like a game. You know, we can never have ultimate win. It's continuous. We continue to improve, continue to learn, fail. Uh, share laughter, tears, and joys, and keep going. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and and for people like who are wanting to be entrepreneurs, listening to this, I'm sure they're like, hold on one sec. This is a CEO talking about 
a journey and struggles and <laughs> and love is in the business and I'm not making money I should I shouldn't start it like you know it's it's a it's a weird concept but everyone who comes on the show shares a similar story now just to solidify this point would you mind sharing maybe some of the struggles you know that that you face during this growth i think these are things that don't get talked about enough especially on podcasts especially on on your website especially when in school when people get to a place like you are they have to know there's going to be things and roadblocks that come in the way would you mind sharing a few of those uh, that happen in your life uh yeah like i can share you know something very weird <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so when I first started my food company and I didn't know a lot about how to run business properly, but I had so much desire to keep going and never to give up. And there was a reason for that, why, why I never wanted to give up. Because, um, you know, I, the way I started the business, like I thought about the people around the world I met when I was traveling. And when I was traveling, um, the people who had very little, you know, they didn't have uh, much food for them to eat, but they invited me to come to stay with them or eat their food. And I felt like, why would you do that? Because if you give your food to me, you have nothing left. You, have, you don't have even enough for your own children. Why would you share? And I felt guilty to receive. But then um, years later, after I started the business, I faced many, many challenges, like where I totally ran out of money to pay the rent and then uh, after you know some time and i didn't have any other solution so i said well let's get rid of our house so that we could move into a commercial kitchen and then stay among the cardboard boxes and we became homeless at one time no house wow. living among cardboard boxes and then a few months later i was due to have a second child you know as pregnant and i didn't have money to go to hospital so actually my son was born in the kitchen and I delivered him myself. Oh so, my goodness. So in the past, there are those crazy things I did. And but at that time, I wouldn't do the same thing again, by the way. <laughs> Today, if I was in the same situation, I think I have other solutions. <laughs> but at that time, I didn't know other ways to solve these problems. So I did whatever I could to keep going and not to give up on my vision and dream to to do something for the world. And the reason why I always had that um, determination was because if I thought about the people I met, many of them had much less. Like, like even if I had to live among the cardboard boxes, I still had a roof over my head mm. <laughs> and it wasn't so cold. <laughs> or, um, and so I always said to myself, well, actually, I'm still grateful that I have this. Oh, I'm still grateful that I get to run a business. Oh, I'm still grateful that I have a healthy kid. So, so if we think about what we are grateful for compared to people who have less or who have greater challenges, we can always be grateful. Mm. But the thing is, if we compare ourselves with people who have more or who are, seem to be more successful, then we always don't have enough. <laughs> right? So th that's why the giving is just so important in life and in business, because the moment your business is giving even small, then there is that sense of having like, oh, our business, even though we don't have a lot of profit, but we still get to give 100 days of access to water to somebody. And, you know, people in the business come together to share that sense of joy and gratitude. Then 
um, the journey itself becomes so much more meaningful. And then when we are st- in the state of gratitude and uh, like passion and purpose, then we have a better creativity. We make decisions through prosperity rather than desperation. And we know when we make decisions based on desperations, we usually make wrong decisions. So, yeah, so it's it's a win-win thing that having a giving spirit in business transforms the business and make us stronger and uh, encourage us to keep going and do great things. Powerful. Gratitude, you know, appreciating <laughs> what you have, you know, the little things. Uh, it's such a powerful message. You know, my birth certificate, John Muir Medical Center, your daughter's birth certificate, Masami's <laughs> Kitchen. I mean, it, it, it's 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 a powerful message. And uh, you also mentioned in there that, you know, I do things differently. Would you actually, though, would you actually do things differently? And w- if so... Why would you do things differently if they taught you so many lessons? Um, <laughs> no, I mean, like, uh, if we keep doing the same thing, we will have the same reality, right? Ah, <laughs> so yeah, um, every time we do something, we can do things differently, unless we want to have exactly the same outcome. So um, I think uh, as we grow, then, you know, we have uh, new uh, resources, ideas, ability, experiences. So we will always keep doing things differently. It's not that we regret doing something in the past in a certain way, because at that time, that was a perfect thing. Um, there was this uh, kind of one, one of my favorite quotes is yeah. when Steve Jobs said that you can only connect the dot looking backward. You cannot connect the dots looking forward. Mm. Right. Like, so what he meant with that is that uh, everything that happens has reason and purpose. Mm. Only when we look back, we can go, well, you know, remember those days, those things happened. And because of that, I'm here today and we can be grateful. But quite often when we are facing issues and challenges, we go overwhelmed. Like, why is this happening to me? Or, Mm. you know, like, uh, I don't, I I feel so annoyed that this, this, I had to deal with this or, but the thing is like, if we have the mindset that they, oh, we're going to look back sometime in the future and say, remember that time we had those challenges and we had to stay home and work. <laughs> you know, like, so um, I think that perspective of one day all the dots would connect. Um, and this is part of the journey is important. But at the same time, because as we keep growing in this game of business and life, then we, we, we can continue to become a better game players and enjoy things more and do things better and in new ways. Um, that kind of, you know, sharing that game with uh, all the people that we get to share the game with and feeling appreciative and enjoying every moment of it is just so precious. <laughs> it's powerful. And I'm sure we'll, we'll look back and people listening to this, they'll never forget this episode as well. It's, it's been a powerful <laughs> and one. And me disappearing. Masami. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you disappearing and coming right back like magic. Um, now, Masami, it seems like throughout your life, it, you've had a strong moral compass, whether it was you know traveling the world. And you know really, the world isn't so scary. And there's nice people out there and you know, living a simple life, experiencing different things, ending up in New Zealand, having your first daughter, starting the business out of love for her and you wanting to do the same thing for others. You followed these values and today they're still in your organization. It's a way that you lead. It's the way that you're impacting the world. So now, Masami, let's wrap this up for you. What is your definition of a real leader? 
Um, my definition of real leader is to be congruent with the value that you get to live with every day. And, you know, achieving a big goal or reaching a great destination is important, but living to um, our own belief and value um, uh, that it, on a day-to-day basis is the kind of indicator of how well we are succeeding. Um, as as leaders uh, today and every day. I love it. That Really, that is what success is all about. Masami, it's been a pleasure speaking with you uh, today. Thanks for coming on the Real Leaders Podcast for Masami Sato. I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, be congruent with your values, and always, folks, keep it real. Thanks, Masami. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you, good people, for listening to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast with Masami Sato. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And folks, if you didn't know by now, all of these episodes are streamed and recorded live on our Crowdcast platform. So if you're not following us on LinkedIn, go online to our website at real-leaders.com slash podcast where you can RSVP for an upcoming event here in January and February. A few episodes that are on the horizon are, of course, the Keep It Real series with Simon Maywaring on January 19th at 4 p.m. Pacific time. We have Misha Brown coming on, the president at PCI Media Impact on January 21st. Nick Bradley the host of the Scale Up Your Business podcast, one of the leading podcasts in the UK, is joining us on January 26th. And then, have you heard of emotional intelligence? Well, the author of that book and philosophy, Daniel Goleman, is joining us live on February 2nd at 11 a.m. You will not want to miss that one. And the following week, Seth Goldman, that's right, Seth Goldman, the CEO, a former CEO, excuse me, of Honest Tea, executive chairman of the board at Beyond Meat, and now the co-founder and CEO of Eat the Change is coming on the Realtors podcast, folks. You won't want to miss that one either. And lastly, who doesn't love Italian sodas? The CEO of Tarani, Melanie DeBacco, Delbecco, excuse me, hopefully I can get that right come time of the podcast, is coming on the Realtors podcast February 23rd at 1 p.m. Pacific, folks. A lot of good coming up here in this year of 2021, and we want you to be involved. Again, folks, go online, realleaders.com slash podcast and RSVP for one of these upcoming events with Real Leaders. That's it for me. Thanks for being a Real Leader and stay tuned for the next episode.